KRCL 90.9 FM, HD1, Salt Lake City, Ogden, Provo, 96.7 FM in Park City, and on the web at krcl.org. The Urban Indian Center of Salt Lake is a cultural nonprofit that provides services in health, wellness, behavioral health, and family and youth service programs. More details about this Center for American Indians and Alaska Natives in Utah residing on the Wasatch Front may be found online at uicsl.org. I'm Rashawn Leek, and this is Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. Thanks for plugging in on this cold, 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 cold Tuesday. What? It feels warmer than uh, that cold uh, snap. Uh, no, I don't know. Maybe it's because I was walking in because I took the train, Laura, but it is cold. But tonight on the Roundtable Tuesday edition of the show, we have Meat Free Iran SLC which is a group of Iranian students, doctors, professors, lawyers, and business persons living in Utah. And if I'm gonna be honest, it's these are brave individuals. These yeah. are people that I admire 100%. Mm. And I'd like to think if I would put in the same things, I, I hope I would show up the same way, but I'm really excited to have them in the studio and just to, just to share what's going on and how they're supporting their fellow Iranians inside Iran and the Women Life Freedom Movement or uh, what is it? Zan Zadegi Z- Azadi? You went and looked it back I up. I looked it up. I had to because that's, that's a, you know, that's Zan a, Zadegi it, Azadi. It's, yeah, it, it's, it's powerful. And it I, I really, I re- any, like I said earlier, mm-hmm. anything we can do to support, I, I mean, this is, this, this for us, Laura, this feels easy because we're just sharing space and passing the microphone. Well, you and I, here we are flapping our gums behind a microphone to whoever tunes us in live or streaming worldwide right, or right. in the archive. I'm not worried about what's going to happen to my family or my Mm -mm. home or my job or my livelihood. And by and large, the folks tonight aren't either, but many of them have family and friends in Iran still. And what might that mean for them? So we'll be allowing them to use pseudonyms or first names as well. But uh, stick around. You're going to meet them. And they are folks uh, at the U, at different universities. We do have a professor, Saviz Safarian. He... uh, is a faculty member in mm-hmm. support of the students. Graduated in 98 from Sharif University in Tehran. He's a professor of physics at the U. He says, I'm out there, I'm yeah. good. Tell people who I am, because I'm ready to tell people what's going on. Yeah, and I think that, you know, that, and I, that's what one of the things that, you know, first drew me to to Radioactive is is the chance to really allow people to come and tell the stories, because I don't, I don't know if we're hearing it as much as we need to, you know, it's, it, it, I'm not hearing it a lot. I'm, you know, you hear it here and there, but it's not. It's not being spoken to the level of I feel like it should. This is there's serious things going on. Well, it gets buried. Yeah. Like I don't know how many votes they're on back in D.C. trying to elect the next Speaker of the House. Oh my gosh. I'm so That's over that. overwhelming my news feed. Mm-hmm. What's going on in Ukraine is overwhelming my news feed, and that we have folks active in the women life freedom movement here is a great opportunity for us to pass the microphone and find out more but how about we do some rallies and resources shall we oh absolutely absolutely okay what do you got well i uh, yeah i mean i'm looking at it right now so the it's not for a couple weeks it's two weeks from now but it's it is the binion center's mlk junior day of service which is saturday january 14th from 9 in the morning till 12 p.m which is the kickoff event to the U of U's MLK Walk, yeah. or I'm uh, sorry, it's the MLK Week. 
and volunteer in support of local community organizations to honor Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s dedication and commitment to justice, service, and equity. I like that. It's in the rallies and resources. We'll be getting more of those posted as the date draws near. Lots of ways to get involved and do some service on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Um, something else I wanted to share with you from our partners at RIMCOR Rocky Mountain Community Radio on December 30th, Rashawn, the Missing Indigenous Person Alert went to an effect in the state of Colorado. It's a public alert system for active cases of missing and murdered indigenous people. And for Rocky Mountain Community Radio, here is Clark Adamitis of KSUT and KSJD with more. The new alert system is part of a number of changes that Colorado has made to bring more resources to missing and murdered indigenous persons cases. Native American and Alaskan people are two and a half times more likely to be involved in violent crimes than the general population. The rates among indigenous women are even higher. Audrey Simpkins is an investigative analyst at the Colorado Bureau of Investigation. Given their at-risk nature of some of the folks who go missing in that population group, if you will. So it was just one more tool dedicated to aid um, in the recovery of missing folks from those communities. The new system pushes emails and text alerts to broadcasters across the state, as well as members of the public who opt in to receive messages. Simpkins and her colleagues hope that the system will lead to more cases being solved. When someone is missing in the state of Colorado, members of the public may be able to provide useful tips and information to that law enforcement agency who might be investigating that case. According to the American Library Association, Colorado is home to approximately 50,000 Native American people. For KSUT and KSJD, I'm Clark Adamitis. And that story from Clark at KSUT and KSJD was shared with us via Rocky Mountain Community Radio, a network of public media stations in Colorado, Wyoming, New Mexico, and Utah, including KRCL. And that's something with our legislative session right, right around the corner. That's a, I mean, let's call it what it is, Laura. That's a first, that's a great mm-hmm. first pass, but we have 49 other states that could definitely benefit yeah. from something like that. There's... It's time to really start paying attention and how do we support how do we support those who need it most? Well, we do have a model, and that's the Amber Alert mm-hmm. for children. There's a, there's a Silver Alert. I believe that's for missing and endangered seniors, folks right. that are older than minors. And so this would be an interesting thing. And I know I can already hear the debate on the Hill. Well, if we make an alert for everything, then it's just all wallpaper. But it, this is a a public health emergency of a very specific sort that I think would benefit the public uh, and in being uh, able to help. I, I, and I'm going to play devil's advocate. Yeah. I don't care. Uh-huh. I don't care if we have too many alerts. There, is there and is there such a thing if somebody needs a voice? Because this is an opportunity mm-hmm. to to have a voice for the voiceless. Yeah, time to ring up Representative Angela Romero, uh, who I know yeah. is running. Uh, some more bills to extend the task force on mm-hmm. missing and murdered indigenous women and girls also changing that to missing and murdered indigenous relatives to yeah. encompass all the folks in the indigenous community who go missing and who need our help to hopefully bring them home to their families so folks something to to keep an eye on another interesting item out of law enforcement that i saw today it was just a really weird tweet from salt lake city pd this is where I say, yes, I worked for Salt Lake City PD for several years mm-hmm. and uh, proud of the work I did with them. Um, they had this weird case where they pulled over this car. The license plate was stolen, mm. but it didn't go to that car, which wasn't stolen, had the registered driver. But the people who had switched the plates made sure they matched the car, the year, 
the color. It was, it was something. So the interesting. The notice was take a picture of your license plate and make sure it's the license plate you think it is because apparently this is happening more, especially with popular cars, right? It's the, the you know there there's a time when I wasn't as honorable Uh-oh. and. And we always joke, so I never, like, I've never stolen a car. I I was, like, I was just a knucklehead. But we always thought, like, oh, let's, when we were home, like, let's steal a car in Edison. That's where I'm from. And Uh drive it to New York and just leave it. And that was our plan. We'll take a play, a play. Well, you know, cops kids. Cops cops kids kids are the worst kids. I'm just, any cops kids listening, you know. You know I'm looking at you. But, no, I'm not surprised by this, Laura. Because it's, it. First take. If I'm the if I'm a patrolling officer and I see it, I run your plates. Yeah. And I immediately say, Oh, well, it matches matches the car. Well, my dad, the first time he figured out a plate was missing was when he got pulled over. Oh, the front I mean, plate. Do you check it? Yeah. No, I plate. do only because I have personalized plates, so yeah. I'm always like, look at yeah. that, look at that plate. But uh, yeah, I mean, how many times do you take your car and they're like, look, what's your license plate? I, I don't. Yeah. Know. So it's in my contact yeah. card now. I hear that. But anyway, folks, it's just a weird it is a law enforcement alert that I just thought I should put on your radar. Check your, well, that's it. That's that's one of the things for 2023. Check your plates, y'all. People out there getting grimy. And then last thing, the Davis Arts Council uh, is asking for musicians okay. to apply for their 2023 Sunday Night Concert Series lineup at the Kenley Amphitheater. And um, it looks like a pretty sweet gig, and they'll pay, too. Oh, well, a paying gig. Yeah, that, yeah. Let's go. Applications are due by 5 o'clock on January 31st. I'll put it in rallies and resources. But for musicians looking for a paying gig, and it looks pretty sweet for their summer concert series. They've got a nice amphitheater. Ooh. And it looks like they're going to pay you and do the sound. They're looking for anything from country, bluegrass, folk singer, songwriter, Broadway, Latin, Motown R&B, big band, acapella. So basically they're saying anybody. Yeah. That is a call. This is when folks are starting to book for these things. So happy new year, musicians. Right. Here's another opportunity to let your your chords Uh, be heard, if you will. I will put rallies and resources uh, for the Davis Arts Council call for musicians. That'll take me a bit to get it updated. So it'll be there by tomorrow at the very least. And, and now we're going to start talking to our, our panel about Free Iran SLC. We wanted to find out more about that organization. And Mehdi is joining us as well to talk about that. Hey, Mehdi, how you doing? Hi. Um, doing well. Thank you for having us here tonight. Thanks for coming in. We're going to have a panel with some more folks af- affiliated with Free Iran SLC. What is that group? Is it a nonprofit? Is it based out of here? Is there a, a larger movement to which you're affiliated across the world with student organizations? Definitely, yeah. Um, We're an uh, an unofficial group of Iranians in Salt Lake City. Um, We are part of a community of uh, people from different backgrounds, from academia, from the public sector, young young professionals, whatnot. And uh, we are working uh, around the clock, uh, shoulder by shoulder, with people in Iran and Iranians outside of Iran, people who we call uh, freedom fighters mm-hmm. um, and working with them um, to mainly be the voice of Iranians inside of Iran and also take steps towards a democratic free Iran for the Iranian people. Mm. I love that. When when did you all start? Is this is this fairly, you know, fairly new or with everything that's going up in the uh, uprising or have you been established prior? 
No, we we got together with the uprising, but I mean, with uh, with the government that's going on in Iran, with the dictatorship, everybody in Iran is is political. Absolutely. And so, uh, we've been all having our political affiliations and, and thoughts of freedom and hopes for freedom. But we got together as a group with uh, w- w- it was initiated with the uprising that happened recently in September. So I ran into your group uh, during December down at Gateway, and you've been staging regular outreach on the streets. You have one coming up on Saturday, right? Yes. What's that? Where's it going to be? How can people participate? We're getting together at Gateway again at the Farmer's Market area. Um, it's going to be uh, – it, it's, it's, glo- it's a rally globally uh, together with uh, groups uh, of Iranians all around the U.S. and all around the globe. It's – it's basically for uh, the third anniversary um, and commence, uh, commemorance of the 176 passengers that were that were murdered in the flight PS752, uh, along with thousands and thousands of other victims of the Islamic regime in Iran. So this was the plane that was leaving Tehran, mm-hmm. and it was a Ukrainian plane or something like that? There's a tie there as well? It, it, w- it was a connecting flight that was yeah. supposed to go to Canada, and there were passengers, Iranian passengers, Ukrainian passengers, Canadians, Afghans, other uh, people mm-hmm. from UK. Um, students as well on it, I believe, if I remember, recall correctly. Many, many students. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the victims was, the f- was a family of Hamid Ismailiun, uh, who is, who is uh, one of the major faces of of the association of families of flight ps752 victims mm-hmm. they're an association they started their activities after the uh, the uh, ca- ca- catastrophe that happened and yeah it, it's it, he's one of the uh, victims of of the event well, that was back in 2017 was it three years ago three years ago what what time is uh what time is everybody meeting for at the farmer's market at noon at noon, it, the event is scheduled for noon to 2 p.m. on the 7th, Saturday. Right. Down near the where the uh, farmer's market is at the Gateway, which is on the north end of Rio Grande Street. Um, so we'll put details in the show notes, but also on rallies and resources. So what we're going to get into more with your your um, comrades coming up in a minute. We're, we're, we're letting you mostly use either pseudonyms or first names. Why? What's that, why is that a concern to you personally? A lot of people uh, that live outside of Iran and and can can take advantage of the freedom of speech that they have. They still have families inside of Iran, and the Islamic regime is ruthless. So everybody's afraid of being tracked. Their families being tracked to like um, to a- activism, basically, mm-hmm. and and being punished for that. So that's mm-hmm. the major worry of people. Uh, speaking out their names and who they are and how they're affiliated with whatnot. Yeah, I, I, I saw that. And I was reading in the paper, and it said basically what it sounds like they're doing is they're tying activism with acts against God is what is what I'm reading. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, they, um, they give people sentences for uh, death sentences because of online activity. Like that's the, as vague as it is, online ac- activity against God. And so, you know, maybe uh, what, what we are doing is online activity against God too, so. You never know. And I, I, I wanna I wanna go back and I wanna thank you. I wanna thank you for correcting yourself and, and moving from calling it a government to a dictatorship because that's that's what it is. So I just wanted to make sure that we captured that correctly and so mm-hmm. thank you. The the woman life uh, freedom revolution is a woman led revolution against theocratic dictatorship. That is what it is. Right. It's really interesting living here in Utah, the headquarters of a global religion 
and I hear echoes of things, but we don't face that. No. I don't want to participate anymore. My life isn't at stake. No, no. And it, it's hard to even fathom because I know for our dominant religion, what, what, what many members have to deal with is excommunication, which, yeah. which I'm sure can feel like that, but it's nowhere near. You're the preacher's kid. Yeah, right? I'm the preacher's kid, so. but I and I'm the preacher's kid who actively, you know, lack of a better term, was the black sheep. You know, I my ears were gauged. I got tattoos, but never, never once have I ever felt that I would lose anything, including my family, for being outspoken about my mm-hmm. my beliefs, whether they and they, meaning my parents who are preachers, agreed or not. And yeah. so. So I, as an American, I've always had that faith. Like, I can say what I want here on the radio, you know, with FCC approval, <laughs> of course, but never have to worry about my family back east being yeah. impacted by my knuckleheadness. One of the things that we always see is that these kinds of situations create great art, especially mm-hmm. music. And I wanted you to help us, Maddie, introduce this song, Baraye. Yes. Am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. And who's this by? It's by Shervin Hajipur. Mm-hmm. What's this song about? So uh, when when the movement began, people uh, went to Twitter, Iranians went to Twitter to uh, note reasons why they're on the streets and why they are leading this revolution. And those tweets started with Baraye, which means for or because of. And so Shervin Hajipur, he collected a bunch of those tweets and he... Um, he created a song out of those, which is which is a very um, a very touching song Absolutely. for Iranians, and became basically the anthem of this movement. And we got a remix here that you sent me by Shabnam Jale. I don't think I'm saying that remotely right, but if folks are l- looking for it, I'll put the full title in the show notes. And when we come back, we'll talk to more members of Free Iran SLC on Radioactive. Uh, Tuesday. KRCL. برای توی کوچه رخصیدن برای ترسیدن به وقت بوسیدن برای خواهرم خواهرت خواهرامون برای تغییر مدساک پوسیدن برای شمندگی برای بیپولی برای حسرت یک زندگی معمولی برای کودک زبال گرد و آرزوهاش برای این اقتصاد دستوری برای این هوای آلوده برای ولی از رو درختای فرسوده برای پیوز و احتمال انگرازش برای سنگهای بیگناه منوه برای گریه های بیوخفه برای تصویر تکرار این لحظه برای چهره ای که میخنده برای دانش آموز و برای های برای من میهن آبادی برای دختری که آرزو داشت پسر بود برای زن زندگی آزالی
support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru and the Subaru Share the Love event, a partnership with local charities in delivering hope this holiday season. Learn more and info on how to get involved at markmillersubaru.com. KRCL is hiring a production assistant to join our staff part-time and support the Radioactive program. Details are on our website, krcl.org. KRCL is an equal opportunity employer. Welcome back to Radioactive on KRCL 90.9. I'm Laura Jones, and stick around. Coming up at 7 o'clock, Democracy Now!, Connor and the Late Night Lowdown at 8. Get your super sounds with Chovy at 10.30, and John Florence starting a brand new day at 6 a.m. Rashawn, did you know you can get any show for the next two weeks on demand? Rumor has it, you yeah. know, listening to you all talk, <laughs> I, I did hear that there might be this this app thing going yeah. on. <laughs> you can listen on the app, but also online at krcl.org. Go to Programs tab and hit On Demand, sort by date and show, including this one right here. So, Rashawn Leak, host of Roundtable Tuesday, you good for another year? I'm good for another good. year. Good yeah, for another I mean, year. We, you know, three days in, I'm feeling I was I was missing it. That's was, my performance review right there. Oh, I think I sound <laughs> hey, listeners. It sounded like I did really well. I don't know. I got I got the gig. I got a gig, y'all. All right. So we a couple weeks back on Roundtable Tuesday had a, a group of folks in that are supportive of the Free Iran SLC group, and they gave us a lot of background. They're also older and uh, really settled here in the U.S., mm-hmm. so we wanted to catch up with the students in particular, but we also have a professor that supports them from the University of Utah, so, too. So we're going to have them introduce themselves as they would like for the purpose of the show, and some of them will be using first names or, or pseudonyms. Professor, let's start with you. Tell us about yourself and uh, why you felt it was important to come down tonight and talk about this. Hi, thank you so much for having me. My name is Savi Safarian. I'm a professor of physics and biology at University of Utah. And I've been uh, here at University of Utah for about 12 years. My lab really studies viruses and things like that, nothing with social sciences. But this is a moment where we all felt um, very much connected with everybody in Iran, and especially the you know woman life uh, freedom movement really shook us pretty hard. We grew up, I grew up in the Islamic Republic. I was educated in Sharif University. I got my bachelor's there, and I then immigrated here for pursuing my academic career. So I feel like half of my life I've spent Mm. mostly under the Islamic Republic in Iran. So I identify with a lot of things that are happening, but half of my life I've also lived here. And so I'm I'm an American um, Iranian. Do you remember much about the revolution of the 70s and uh, then your no. your progression through to your own studies and then now here? I'm just guessing you probably could speak to the changes that you saw and then when you get here, what that felt like. So I tell you why I personally resonate with all of these young kids is because when I was in Iran, I was in Sharif University, we were voicing same concerns mm-hmm. as this generation and we were said, you're a minority leave. We are having an Islamic Republic here and you want something else and this is not your land. And so we packed up and left thinking we are a minority. And now I'm looking back and I'm seeing all these voices and I'm like, we are not a minority. And I'm older, I'm stronger, and I can put a shoulder into this fight. I'm not scared of this regime. And I know one thing, if you believe in the tomorrow, and if you believe that the mullahs are not going to be here next year, they're not going to be here next year. 
You know, one of the things that struck me and really stuck me with what you just said is it is so parallel to some of the things that we hear today. If you if you don't like it here, leave. And I and I really I harp on that because I want our listeners to pay attention to the verbiage being used because it's 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 running rampant across. If you pay attention across the globe on these outbreaks, it's the same thing. This is this is problematic. And if we don't speak up now, then when will we? And I and I was reading something. I think somebody sent it over, and it silences violence. And if we're not paying attention, this will continue to repeat itself. Ava with Free Iran SLC. Why was it important for you to join? And since you're only using one name, I'm guessing you have some concerns about extended family or friends in Iran. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll share that the majority of my family lives here. My immediate family lives outside of Iran. Uh, but even with you know some of my family members going back and forth, um, I'm just con- concerned for their safety because uh, we know of people who've been stopped at the airport or have been arrested at different points because they are related to people who um, are active um, in the diaspora. So yeah, there was a story about was it a soccer player's soccer family? Player, the plane tenni- was uh, diverted. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, they got sent back to Iran. Um, his wife, wife and, and child. Yeah. yeah. So why do you feel it's important, even though you have these concerns, to work with Free Iran SLC to speak up to be here tonight? Um, Because I have a voice, um, and so many people in Iran don't have a voice. Uh, My activism goes far beyond uh, this particular movement. Um, I've been involved in a lot of different movements that have been happening in the U.S. Um, And uh, to your point, I think this movement is related to so many things that's happening inside of U.S. too. We hear those messages that, oh, if if you don't like it, leave, or um, certain groups, this America is for certain groups. Um, This part of America is for certain groups and no other groups. Exactly. This this fake nationalism that we're seeing exactly and this movement that's happening in iran uh, is a woman-led movement and it's you know it, it's it's joining the claims of so many people outside of iran too mm-hmm. um there's so, so many different inter- intersections in this movement um and that's why it's so important to me um i have a voice here i i have the freedom to speak up here and so many of my friends and family in iran don't have that so i can Yet, yet hundreds of thousands of folks are still in the streets. Mm-hmm. And as a, a woman sitting here with us today in the safety of this room, this country, I'll, I'll bet you feel torn about that. That if you were there, you'd be in the streets. But to go there and be in the streets is to put your life in danger. The survivor guilt is so real. Um, many of us in the diaspora feel that all the time. Why do we get to be safe? And our friends and family members don't don't have that safety mm. we didn't do anything special um and you know the 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 guilt is counterintuitive too because we we all deserve to be safe mm-hmm. ultimately but it's it's there the feeling is yeah. always there all right let's pass the microphone ava to your left and uh, let's talk with sean sean how are you give us your backstory as much as you're comfortable with it and why you're involved in free ear on slc well thank you for having me here um i came to america about 2008, I'm a medical graduate in Iran and came here to continue my medical education. Uh, Free Iran SLC group was something that formed itself, kind of. We were all together, we were uh, protesting in the streets, and then 
all of a sudden we were in a room next to each other talking about the next protest and talking about what we can do to help the people of Iran and sharing all those concerns, sharing the sympathy with the people who are being brutally murdered, uh, beaten to death or raped or in everything that you could think of uh, times hundred. Because what you see on videos is very different than what I have seen by my own eyes. Some what do you mean by that? It didn't happen to me, but I've seen people who were being uh, dragged on the pavement to get into the so-called morality police vans because uh, like, they were not up to the dress code that was dictated to them. They were supposed to have this hijab that the, the dictatorship government is... Uh, uh, imposing on them it's not something they could choose so it's it's a very basic human right to choose what you wear to choose what you eat to choose where you go to choose who you go with just just a simple example that's uh, we take it for granted here you go to a cinema with your girlfriend or boyfriend you can ha go there hands to hands. You can sit next to each other. You can have a drink over there. You can go back home. Uh, you can drink whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. All of these are crimes in Iran. Mm. Every single step that I told you. You could get lashes for them. You could go to prison for them. And when you go to the prison, many things can happen. And so when you take part in a Free Iran SLC rally, like the one coming up Saturday at noon down at the at the gateway what is that what is that feeling like to be able to do that at the same time understand what's going back on uh, home in iran here you can do everything every one of those things you just talked about that is the minimum thing we could do i think we are obligated to do that mm. some people say that it's your choice i would say it's my obligation i had this i could call it a gift of coming here to a free country but if I'm not using my voice for the people who didn't have this opportunity, I'm, I think it's, it's like a survivor's guilt. It's more than that. It is, I am guilty of being silent, and silence is violence, as we spoke earlier. Sean. Well, I, I just want to pass the mic to Mahan, our, our last, uh, last to go, and just talk about how you got involved in, with Free SLC. Hi, uh, thank you for having me. Um, my name is Mahan. I'm a PhD student at the University of U. Um, I've been here for one and a half years, so I'm pretty still connected to my family and friends down in Iran. And um, I just got involved with the Free Iran SLC, as others said. It's just uh, like we found each other in the middle of like uh, discussions about stuff and politics. And we were friends before that, but we got more friends because we now have the same goal. And uh, I still feel that I should do something for my family and for my friends because it's our rights. And I mean, I lived there. Um, I was always annoyed by all these uh, wrong rules and Islamic beliefs that were forced to us in the school in the education system and everything they just put these beliefs and stuff in your mind and your thoughts that you couldn't even imagine it and uh, but the main reason is that I 
want to support and do something is because our country will be free one day. I mean, it's just a matter of time. And I don't want to feel guilt the day that I'm walking in the free Iran inside the country. And I would say that I did nothing for this, all of it. Mahan, <coughs> you mentioned you have quite a lot of family. You've only been here about a year and a half. What are you hearing from them, and especially your female relatives or concerns of or by your female relatives? I mean, th that's true that this revolution started and that the, the bone of this revolution is the woman rights mm -hmm. because there are the most, I mean, there are half of the population, but are they are in the minority. I mean, every rights that it's very basic, going to stadiums, singing, like choose what to wear is that they cannot have it. And uh, they've been oppressed for many years. And it also affects the male. I'm, I mm. mean, when the female part of the country is oppressed, under pressure, and they're not free, definitely the male population is not also free because mm -hmm. they, don't re they don't feel connected. Well, and fathers, husbands, brothers, and cousins are, I'm guessing, that are in the streets too, yes. very concerned about what then happens to their, their um, mothers, daughters, sisters at the hands of the regime, and we've seen the, the stories, Rashawn. I know that you all want to talk about some things that folks can do, and mm -hmm. one of them deals, a, a lot of them are about calling out those who are responsible and ha having them be accountable, and I know we want to talk about that flight PS752 and the International Civil Aviation Organization. Who can talk to us about this one? Is that Mahan or Sean? Sean? Okay. Sean, tell us about this. This uh, remind us again this flight and when it happened and and uh, how S it went down. So the Ukraine flight PS seven fifty two was supposed to depart Tehran on January eighth, five twenty a.m. and it was going to Kiev in uh, Ukraine. And there were a lot of people who had connecting flights to U.S. and Canada, and other countries. There were roughly one hundred and thirty Iranian uh, Iranian Canadian people on that. Many of them were educated, many of them were students, many of them were uh, faculty members. Some of them were my friends and my co-workers. And actually there were supposed to be 177 passengers on that plane, not 76. I'm I can get back to that earlier, uh, later. But uh, that flight was shot down by two uh, air defense missiles of Iran. Uh, to be more uh, accurate, the IRCG, air defense. And the reason is that they wanted to use that plane as a human shield against American attack because a couple hours earlier, they attacked the Al-Assad air base in uh, Iraq with their uh, uh, ICBM missiles. Uh, and they just didn't shut down the uh, air traffic. This is something very preliminary that everybody does when there's a situation in your country that involves any air strike that you you would shut down commercial air airlines yeah, and this was 2020 right this is sept uh, this is january 8th uh, 2020 yes so that flight took off and they say by mistake nobody believes that that was shot down but two missiles not one two missiles and everyone on board died and the investigation after the crash is uh more disastrous than itself. Yeah. Would you 
Is it safe to say with, I mean, obviously I, I, I have limited mm -hmm. knowledge of what's going on with just what's being you know, given to us through mainstream media, but would you consider the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps uh, a terrorist organization? It's not my place to say something so. I can say my personal opinion. That, that's, yeah. Yes. There are the meaning of terrorism itself. They're scaring you. You're not allowed to leave the country. They might shoot you down. You're not allowed to leave the country. They might turn your plane back around. You're not allowed to live in the country freely. You're going to get killed. You're living in horror. Yeah. You said there was supposed to be one more person on that plane. I know someone who canceled his flight last like a last minute, like the night before. Mm. I know him personally. Yeah. So that is something touching to me. Yeah. He could uh, have been on that flight with one click of the mouse. Mm -hmm. The International Civil Aviation Organization, ICAO, what, what is their complicity in this and what would you like people to know? They are kind of an independent uh, organization, but they're not working in independently. Uh, they should have condemned this uh, act of terror way sooner than they they ever did. I don't know if they is ever Is this a global did. organization or one yes. that's just in Iran? No, that's it's an international organization. Okay. Their headquarters in is in Montreal, Canada. So that's someplace we can apply pressure, mm -hmm. is what you're saying. Yes, and they're supposed to uh, follow the International Aviation Convention of Chicago, 1947, which they're not. Okay. So that is one thing folks can do. It's an organization you can apply pressure to, because I take it by what you've said, the "Quote unquote investigation is not." They could they could also condemn this recent uh, incident that they turned around the uh, the plane with uh, Ali Doi, the soccer player. Mm. He is a very famous, well-known soccer player. They just turned around a plane and uh, forced it to land to remove two passengers, uh, his wife and his child, that were legally on board. So based on the convention, it is an illegal and it's an. It could be an act of terror. You never know. But they had no reason to turn uh, the plane back. And the plane was turned back on the request and of the Iranian yes, regime. Yes, because it was an Iranian airliner. They didn't need to use force, but they would use force if they had to. All right. Another item that you would like folks to understand is that pressure can be applied by calling for the recognition of Iranians' human rights concerns by our U.S. senators, our congresspeople, and, and other officials. Who would like to talk about this one in particular? Uh, Professor. Yes. So, uh, you know, as, uh, as American-educated professors here, we, after all of this happened, we have been pretty singular in our own labs doing our own business. I mean, you do never connect after 20 years with... But after this happened, we suddenly found a lot of our old friends who have, are now American Iranian professors at different institutes. And we looked at these and we saw that, you know, a lot of the American professional organizations, as an example, I would say American Physical Society, they have not really made their position clear mm -hmm. about what's going on in Iran. And part of it has to do with the silence on the mainstream news media that has governed this country right now about issues of Iran. We don't understand exactly where that silence is coming from, but it is there. And so it has created this vacuum of understanding. And so we have started communicating specifically with the American Physical Society because it represents you know, a lot of physicists. We are physicists. And uh, we got about 500 members of our you know, um, uh, physics professors 
physics graduate students, physics postdocs, three Nobel laureates, wow. signing a letter to the American Physical Society asking them to clarify their position about issues happening in, um, in Iranian universities. Mm -hmm. So in Iranian universities, the administration at the university has started arresting students and sending them to jail, have started expelling students, have curtailed the internet, have threatened faculty against speaking in any way about the protest on campus. So the campuses have become these battleground and campuses, as you know, we academics know, have a kind of a freestanding place in universal freestanding place. And so we have asked the American Physical Society to kind of make their position clear. And it's very surprising. We have written a letter in December 5th, um, and we still have not really seen any action from them. And during this month that our letter has been with the president of the American Physical Society, we have, had, we have witnessed three executions in Iran of the protesters that happened within three weeks of their arrest. So these are state-sponsored, judicially-approved executions. This is way beyond trying to, like, getting to into a hustle with a police officer on the street and getting killed. This is actually somebody getting arrested for having a knife or somebody getting arrested for being around the protest, mm -hmm. being tried, sentenced, and hung in public in three-week time. Here's a story that you found yeah, before it was the show that you wanted to bring up or reference, and it was something along these lines. Yeah, I, I found it on, uh, one, I, I might pronounce it wrong, it's W-I-O-N, it's Y-N, and it was about two teenage boys in Iran who, exactly that, they were they were arrested for protesting, essentially, and they they are going to be well. I, you know, I don't want to speak that freely, but it sounds like they will be tried and and put to death. I have a, I have a question for for everybody, but Professor, you in particular. When I read these, I think it be, can become easy to dismiss sitting here in the states because no, that that's not a reasonable reaction by a government to a protest, despite all the protests mm, we've seen we've in this seen, yeah. country recently. It still seems like. Uh, that can't possibly be, but that is the history in Iran. That's correct. And this is the particular history of this regime. So they have always been very brutal, very tuggish, and terrorist-driven. Mm -hmm. They are the definition of terrorism. And now they have turned it into a volume, especially on campus. I mean, I'm a professor, so for me, having 650 Iranian students sitting in jail right now with that judiciary that can actually take you and execute you in three weeks, that is something that keeps me awake every night. And it's very public executions. Our yeah. executions take place at midnight when hopefully nobody will be awake. Yeah, and sometimes family members aren't even, even allowed. allowed. This is uh, this race to execution, and then the execution is very public to m maximize the terror in the public. That's correct. And you know, the reality of it is, that Iranian government is different from the government in North Korea. It's different from the government in any other oppressive states. This Iranian government is so dishonest that their immediate families live in the United States, in Canada, in Europe. Really? This Iranian government is not self-contained in Iran. 
And unfortunately, it has a lot of connections with the American politicians, with the American, you know, associations, because there is a lot of business going on. Mm. What we need to see is we need to see them for who they are. And we need to start pushing all of these people back to Iran. To Where can people find that information? Because that, I think, is something that, that strikes. Okay, so you've got these rules and you've got these executions and your family doesn't live by them? Your, yes, your women aren't wearing the hijab? Yeah, that's exactly that's correct. That's what I'm reading and as that's well. Like when they're leaving the country, the expectation is you should be in your hijab the whole time, regardless of whether you're in Iranian borders or not. And that is not happening. And I tell you what, if tomorrow, if next week, the U.S., Canada, and the European Union decides to send back all of the people directly related to the Islamic government expel back to Iran, them expel them all, that government is going to fall in 10 days because nobody wants to live there under that rule. The only way those people are working is because of this two-faced business mm, they have the where they buy into the system, they buy into the corruption so that their they families can, can be safe. Uh, and that's something that that you want to point out as Free Iran SLC is this pressure that can be applied. So not only about, you know, to our elected representatives and other officials, but global pressure against uh, the regime for Geneva Convention violations, um, demanding that we cease any ongoing negotiations with the regime, pressure on international companies for selling, get this, anti-riot equipment to the regime, mm -hmm. regardless of sanctions using global mechanisms such as criminal prosecutions for these companies, which we haven't seen yet. Um, Ava, Sean Mahan, do you want to ring, ring in on this, Sean? I can talk about the Geneva Convention yes. <coughs> violations. Uh, I read the Geneva Convention, and it's mostly for international conflicts. Mm -hmm. But in Statutes 17 and 18, it has something about non, uh, even domestic violations or domestic uh, civil unrests, which says that you are not allowed to target the healthcare personnel. This is something that's happening in Iran right now. When there's a protest somewhere, they go to the nearby hospitals, they sweep all, all the ERs, they threaten the doctors that you're not allowed to uh, do, do anything. Treat like anyone who comes not in. Not just treating, you, you're not allowed to triage them inside. You're mm -hmm. not allowed to let them walk inside your ER, let alone treating them. Every, anyone who's, uh, who, who has signs of uh, bullets or uh, shotguns, you just have to keep them outside and call us. And they took the people who uh, helped these people. So I know a physician who was taken from the ER, and unfortunately she's not with us right now because uh, they found her body two days after that. But this is happening, the healthcare personnel, they're using the medical equipments, me medical vehicles like ambulances to mobilize their troops. So there's an ambulance going, with the sirens going on in the streets and everybody's making way for them. Inside, there are uh, anti-riot troops or even weaponry. So these are uh, direct violations of, uh, violations of the Geneva Convention Statute 1718 and the Rome Statute for Medical Personnel. Yes, Ava, grab that microphone. What would you like to add? Speak um, right into the microphone. Pull it down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another violation of the Geneva Convention is also 
the fact that the Islamic regime is uh, providing drones to Russia um, mm-hmm. for the for the war against Ukraine, um, and that's a direct violation. And I, I think that's an important thing for your listeners to understand that th- what the Islamic regime. Uh, what they're doing, it's not happening in isolation just in Iran. They're also aiding other um, dictators um, across the globe to crack down on people, to suppress people, to oppress people, to kill people. Um, and that's an important thing to understand, too, that they're um, directly involved with um, the war that uh, Russia is waging on Ukraine. We're talking about the situation in Iran and the woman life uh, freedom movement. We have several folks here from Free Iran SLC, which will be staging another one of its monthly rallies this Saturday down at the Gateway. Stay tuned for more details about that. I'm Laura Rashan. We just have about 10 minutes or so left, and we talked a little bit about this with the group we had on a couple weeks ago, and that's this political sponsorship of political prisoners by international politicians. And I'm kind of curious. Mahan, you're shaking your head. Let's get you the mic. What, what have you heard about this? What is it you want folks listening to do or support? Yeah, this is uh, so first time I heard about this political sponsorship. I haven't heard about it before. And uh, it was a very interesting uh, topic brought up by these uh, European congressmen and Senate and parliament member. And uh, it's the most effect of it is that they bring awareness of the political prisoners that there are like 1,600 prisoners, political prisoners, doing well, just... as much as 15,000. 16,000, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, That's my bad. Yeah, 16,000. Okay. And uh, <coughs> so we lo- like know the names of r- around 35% of them. Mm-hmm. So there are like s- around 10,000 people unknown because they oppress and force their families too hard that don't say anywhere or we execute your child. And they they kind of stay in this trap and they don't say anything about their kids unless there's like something bad happening or they are being trialed for execution. So just today, they announced that they uh, convicted a 18-year-old boy in my hometown, in my city, for burning a, a kiosk police kiosk in the protest they uh, they confirmed a two times execution for him like he's only 18 and he they they can sentence him to two executions two times the execution and uh, so let's back back to the s- political sponsorship so this uh, European Senate and the Congress men and women they they try to become the s- godfather or godmother of these political prisoners and uh, just start to share awareness about their situation, how they're f- how healthy they are and what is are their crimes and uh, just be in touch with their families. So when the uh, when a congressman and congresswoman like talks about this stuff and tweets about this stuff, it definitely bring awareness to the whole Congress and the whole political system of that country that will force this, the higher priority and higher uh, faces to make some actions. You think it is in, in, in some cases, high profile cases I'm guessing, has forced the, uh, uh, the Iranian regime to step back from their threats of executing exactly. folks? Exactly. Doesn't mean that they're freed, 
No, it's not. But when they, because Islamic regime is afraid, the only thing that they lived on is fear and silence. They wanna, they want people to mourn, to fight separately in their own. They want each prisoner family to be isolated. So, f so they fi they feel that they are alone, and in that way they can do whatever they want to them. But there is a movement. After two years ago, there was a mass shooting in Iran. Uh, so there was the first thing that the mothers of these uh, people who got shot in the in the streets gathered around for the first time, and they start mourning together mm -hmm. because they know the enemy and the killer of their children is one guy, is one system that's killing them. But uh, the thing that I wanted to mention is this uh, political sponsorship is happening all over the Europe. Uh, there are some, uh, there are congressmen in Belgium, uh, France, Sweden, Britain, and uh, Norwegian, uh, like Germany mostly. And they're active and they're like spreading news about their godson and their uh, uh, goddaughter. But we haven't seen any uh, U.S. Uh, face or any U.S. congressman or congresswoman to do so. And I think there are lots of prisoners. There are lots of that uh, political prisoners that are all of them are innocent. There are, I mean, if it was anywhere else rather than Iran, they even would be arrested. But they are, con uh, they are going to get executed. And it, it can happen any day. So I think it's very important for U.S. Senates and U.S. political faces, any of them, to start this movement here. I think it's going to make a big move, big change in the protest. Yeah because it will eventually share more awareness about the Iran revolution and the crimes of Islamic regime. And um, I hope one day, very soon, I hear one of these U.S. Senates started to uh, speak. And Use their platforms. We got two, Rashan, we have two Utah senators. We have four Congress people. So putting some pressure on them to do this. But I, I'm, I'm guessing one of the things they would say is, well, how do I know who these, these people well, are? And I don't know if, Sean, you have some information about where we can turn to uh, individually start getting that information, sharing it with our, our Congress people. Or the, where do you turn to get verified information? First of all, I think that <coughs> they know about all of this. They have security mm -hmm. briefings every morning. They know stuff that we don't know. Mm -hmm. So not knowing is not an option for them. Yep. They just don't want to do it for uh, several different reasons that we don't know of. But one thing I wanted to talk about is the double standard here. Uh, what if this was somewhere else, as Mahan said? And the same goes with uh, Iran smuggling uh, any um, the weaponry to Syria and to Ukraine. Uh, other countries selling anti-riot weaponry to Iran that are not being sanctioned. They can be like uh, criminally charged because they're selling uh, the tear gases that are called uh, so-called, it's a green tear gas, I forgot the name, that, that was used in Kenosha here too. But it's a tear gas that harms you. And uh, it goes down in your body and remains there forever. Oh, wow. 
those kind of tear gases, the shotguns that they sell the, to the Iranian uh, regime, the water guns that they sell, like South Korea is selling the water guns, Italy is selling them the shotgun shells, even Britain uh, sells some of them, uh, Sweden and China. I cannot confirm this because I'm not at the top, but I know that they've sold uh, spying systems to Iran so they could spy on the citizens on their cell phones. Uh, what they're talking about on their social media. So these kind of actions, they look like a double standard to me. Like you mm -hmm. condemn terrorism on one side and then you help them to expand terrorism on the other hand. And this is Profit something from that it on the other. Yep. Yes. They might say they're private companies and they're right, but they could pressure the private companies too. It's not something that's out of their control. I don't understand. The same thing that Sabi said, that he doesn't understand why the media is so quiet about this. I don't understand how they can be so quiet about this stuff too. Rashawn? Well, I, I, I can't agree any more than I already do, but it's it, it, the hypocrisy runs rampant. And, and I speak that because I remember being a senior in high school, so that was 1994, and all we wanted to talk about was apartheid in South Africa. And no one is talking about the apartheid that's going on in Iran right now. And it's just a gender apartheid. Women have no voice in Iran. And, and it's, it baffles me that we're not saying anything. And it's, I, I cannot understand why, our, at the very least, our female senators are not talking about this. Because this, what, 50, 60 years ago, this was women in the United States. Maybe it wasn't to the point of violence. But we were women were burning bras because of this, mm -hmm. and so they can have uh, so they can have their voices be heard, so they can vote, so they can ha hold office, so they can so they can have a, a taste of, or a seat at the table. Or and here we drive, are now. Go to movies. Go to drive. Yeah. It, so it the the hypocrisy knows no limits because we should all have issues with mm -hmm. that. And and what, what Martin Luther King Day is in you know seventeen days. So what is it? Until we, until there's justice for one, there can't be justice for any. And I know I, you know, I butchered that statement. That's fine. But we know the we know the heart of it. And so it's just, it's painful. It's painful to see what's going on and and feel so helpless. Well, the next gathering of Free Iran SLC on the streets of Salt Lake is coming up Saturday. Are y'all gonna be there? Are you gonna mm -hmm. speak? Anybody wanna s shout out what's gonna happen at the event? Uh, Mahan, I think people are pointing at you. <laughs> what, what can folks expect at this event? Saturday noon, Gateway, downtown Salt Lake. I'll put the details in the show notes. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, anniversary, the third anniversary for the people who died in the flight 752 and also for the all the lost lives that the Islamic regime took from the people of Iran. And uh, so... The first of all, there is uh, uh, Hamid that We talked about him, that one of the victims of the flight announced this. And But before the, the new year, it was a tradition for us that we went to protest every Saturday. So we're just going to start it up again. And uh, so we just, we just want to visit all these. The, the around the globe, they're going to go to the... Mm, graves of the people who lost their lives and put some flowers on it. Mahan, Sean, Ava, Professor, thank you so much for coming in. We'll put all the details in the show notes for everyone to catch up with Free Iran SLC and also the rally coming up on Saturday. Rashawn, we got 20 seconds. That's oh. it. 
That's the show. All I can say is, all of our listeners, check your privilege at the door. We are so fortunate, and and all I can say is, silence is violence. It's time, it's time we get in this fight. For Rashawn Leak, I'm Laura Jones. That is our show. Democracy Now! is next. KRCL, Salt Lake City. Support for KRCL comes from our listeners and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.